welcome to Small Town Mysteries, a show where three longtime friends from Massachusetts tell crazy and heartbreaking true stories filled with the extra flair of small town mystery. I'm Kate here with Christine. Hello. And Rachel. Hello. Bringing you our next episode on Josh Duggar. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, if you tuned in at the end of our last episode, I've been planning this one for a while. Done a lot of research on it. It's about damn time. We are going to get into it. And remember that we are first and foremost a true crime podcast, so there will be crime. I also do like to throw out there, I don't think anyone dies in this. Like, I'm pretty sure. Oh, look at you reviving your theme. Yeah, I, it's it's been months since I've had a case oh, where really? no one died. It's so, it's so, well, actually, no, the phone call one. But people died in that, just not in the main. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, it, it, you know. But before I get into that, I'm going to toss it over to Christine, who will be highlighting our missing person for this week. So this week, I'm highlighting Aria Daffern. She has been missing since July 14th, 2023 from Sparks, Nevada. She was born July 15th, 2011. So that makes her 12 right now. She's a female. She's white. Her hair color is brown and her eye color is green. She's about five feet tall and weighs about 95 pounds. The Washoe County Sheriff's Office believes that she is with her mother and hundreds of miles from northern Nevada. Authorities believe that the two are in a red 2004 Volvo with Nevada license plate 904V70. Aria's mother, Angela Sloan, does not have custody, and she might have planned to take her. Investigators are asking anyone with information regarding her whereabouts of either Aria Daffern or Angela Sloan to please contact Washoe County Sheriff's Office Detective Fitzmeyer at 775-745-3010, or you can also contact him by email at T.T. Fitzmeyer, and it's spelled T-T-F-I-T-Z-M-I-E-R at Washoe, W-A-S-H-O-E, county.gov. And the reference case number for that is WC23-3627. A lot of numbers in there. But if you have seen her at all, or if you know anything about the situation, please do reach out and contact through any of the ways that I listed. All right. And we will have a photo posted on our Instagram account at Small Town Mysteries Pod. Ideally, the day this episode goes up, we'll have that posted so that people can reference that uh, pretty immediately if they're from that area. Thank you, Christine. You're welcome. And now, without further ado, let's get into it. I'm going to be honest, the way I wrote this script, I wrote this whole script um, on vacation. So to our listeners, I'm on vacation right now. I'm recording, coming at you live from vacation, uh, where I have taken an hour to do this. And last night, the first night of my vacation, I wrote a podcast episode, because what else do you do when you're relaxing? Podcasting never sleeps. So I had to get this going. And my script, the very first thing I wrote in my script is howdy. And that's not for any particular reason. That's just to give an indication of the mood I was in when I wrote this. So let's say a prayer and dive in. This episode feels like a long time coming. 
My co-hosts know this fun fact about me. Uh, most of the listeners, except like my parents, probably don't. Um, but I have a morbid like fascination, near obsession with the Duggar family. That is the family with 19 kids that all have J names. Uh, if you clicked on this episode, either you listen to our podcast regularly or you were searching for Josh Duggar, in which case, hopefully this is a good fountain of accessible information about what a terrible person he is. I just can't get enough about these people. One time I went as the mom, Michelle, for Halloween. I had a fake baby bump and I carried around a purse full of tiny plastic babies that were all like less than an inch long. I bought like a pack of 300 on Amazon and I just threw them at everyone all night. And it was actually like, I thought it was really fun and like clever. The plastic babies. The plastic babies. What Kate did not say was this party was at my house. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if people were drunk or bored, who freaking knows. But a bunch of people, including Kate, decided to go into my room and just hide a bunch of these babies literally everywhere. Like I found them in candles. I found them in drawers. Like in your pillowcase. Under the bed. Like it was insane. I, that was what, two, three years ago now? I would bet. That if you went and like dug around in that closet enough, you'd probably find a couple that were like particularly well hidden. No, I know what you mean. Not now, but there definitely was because me and Alex like completely moved out of there. So we like cleaned oh, it like okay. from head to toe, but we definitely found some. During the cleaning process, there were many small babies to be found. Anyway, yeah, no, that was me and uh, Christine's boyfriend, Dan, that did that. I, I, I wish I could say why. I, the alcohol had a lot to do with it. But it was very fun. I still have like 200 of them left. I barely made a dent. They're just like in a container in my room. I don't know what to do with them. If you have any ideas for what I can do with 300 plastic babies, hit me up at Small Town Mysteries Pod. Anyway, back to the topic at hand. Uh, the show itself was actually like boring as hell. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever sat down to actually watch the Duggar's show. I've watched episodes. It makes good background noise. But I can't ever just watch it. I have to do something else. Mm. Like, it's so boring. Which is why it's interesting that there's so much dirt in this family. Because they seem, honestly, except for the fact that they have 19 kids, pretty unremarkable. Also, in my defense, before anyone comes at me about this, they live in a small town. So they definitely fit the bill for the podcast. I'm going to start with this info. So the core of the Duggar family, which is parents Jim Bob and Michelle and their minor or unmarried children live on what is basically a big family compound in Tontatown, Arkansas that was built by their gaggle of underage and untrained children and funded by the TV network TLC. Also on that compound lives Josh's family currently presumably one of the other kids might also live on the property. It, like I said, it's like a compound. So a lot of the kids have built homes like near the main house. Um, if you go on Reddit, I will, I will reference Reddit a lot here because I am a member of the Duggar Snark community. They call it the Tinker Toy House because it was basically like a, a kit, like a prefab kit that they built. But they combined two of them to make one really big house. And so it's like, it just is this odd, weird, long house. And it only has like four bedrooms. 
which, yeah, the parents have a room, there's a guest room, and then there's a boy's room and a girl's room, and that's it for bedrooms. So just take a moment and consider the 33-year-old daughter who still lives at home because she's unmarried and has siblings as young as 12 in her bedroom. Uh, okay. I would not like that. No. There's there's rumors that she has her own space now, like that they converted the guest room for her or that they gave her like her own corner of the girl's room or something. I don't know. That wouldn't be enough for me. Wow, you graduated to a corner. Wow, you got they let you put up a curtain. Like, no. I don't think that's like the remarkable people are like, well, she does have her own space now. No, absolutely not. That doesn't count. Anyway, this big massive house was built on the show by the kids um, and some of the family friends. So all these kids were like underage and they were just like given power tools and they all helped build it. And um, that's some of the early TV specials, I believe. The population of Taunta Town, where they live, was about 4,100 in 2020, um, which is so small, despite the fact that it saw a pretty significant population growth of 160% between 2000 and 2020. So even with 160% population increase, there's only 4,000 people. It's also very white, 96%, which uh, will be helpful later in contextualizing some of the way that these children are raised in a bubble. Uh, also, I don't have this in the script, but it's important. The patriarch of the family, Jim Bob, did uh, work as a state senator for in the Arkansas State, state Senate uh, in the early 2000s, which is how they kind of first got publicity, was that he had, I think at that point, 13 or 14 kids. And they all wore, like, matching outfits on the campaign trail. I This is, like, definitely inappropriate, and I shouldn't make fun of somebody's name, but, like, Jim Bob sounds made up. Like, I feel like I'm in Spongebob. I agree. And you know what? It, it's James Robert. And to, to be named James Robert and to choose to go by Jim Bob is unfathomable to me. Yeah, no. Okay, I take it back. That's weird. I was yeah, trying to be, like, kind of courteous and choice. nice about it, but that's weird. No, this is a choice that this man has made in his adult life. I mean, maybe he went by Jim Bob as a kid, but when you turn 18 and you're like, Actually, I want to be taken seriously. Call me James. Yeah, do that. Well, I guess it kind of makes sense because it does sound very Southern. So my point being that he was in local politics in the early 2000s, took a step back when the, t- the show took off. And in 2020, he did run for uh, Senate, I believe federal Senate. Um, and he lost insanely. And as I get through this episode, you will hear some of the context of what was going on in Duggar world around the time of the 2020 election, and you will understand why he was not going to get any votes, despite whatever views he espoused. It was not going to happen. No one was going to vote for him. His name had been dragged through the mud a thousand different ways by his oldest son, and he'll never come back from that. It's even started to hurt the political aspirations of some of the other kids. One of them ran for state senate, same thing. Got absolutely railroaded. So... Just a little background on Tonta Town, I guess. Some little political workings there. So, Josh Duggar, the eldest son of the family and the primary subject of this episode, currently resides in a federal correctional institute in Segoville, Texas, for reasons that we will get to by the end of the episode. It's a prison. It's not a small town. There's good reason for him being there. 
and everyone there hates him. As they should. We'll get to it. I also want to, at this point, give a blanket content warning for just about everything in this episode. All of this is tough subject matter. Um, Tread carefully, skip ahead as needed, take care of yourself. If you can't listen to this episode, do not force yourself to listen to it. I said this before when we dealt with a tough subject, but we will be here when you are ready for us with content that you can safely consume. If this is not that content, do not force it upon yourself. Um, So this episode is addressing themes of religious fundamentalism, rape, sexual assault, child sexual assault material, child abuse, and more. So a lot of heavy subject matter. I will not go into specifics. I will say that outright. I completely will not be going into any detail. um, So it won't be graphic in that regard. But still, if this is something that you can't listen to, don't. Take we won't be offended. No, we won't be offended. Take care of yourselves. So uh, I also want to shout out some resources that I used in my research. Um, as I've mentioned in the past couple episodes, I've actually been doing this research for a few weeks now because this was an episode that, like I said, was a long time coming. So I listened to a whole podcast about it and everything. So I want to shout out the Duggar Snark community on subre- on uh, Reddit for their insight and their sass. And also there's some specific terminology that they use that I'll sprinkle throughout um, that I'll try to explain as I go. Little sassy, snarky nicknames. Uh, I also want to shout out reporter Cece McCandless, who used to cover the Tontatown Fayetteville region of Arkansas. And he provided faithful coverage of the trial um, that I relied on pretty heavily. It was not easy for me to follow in real time due to other obligations. So that was awesome. I also really loved the podcast Someplace Underneath. They had some insanely in-depth coverage of this topic. So if you want more about IBLP and the Duggars, um, I'll explain what IBLP is in a second. I'm not going to talk a ton about IBLP. I'm just going to talk about Josh. If you want to hear more about that in general and more about the Duggar family in general, Someplace Underneath, seven-part podcast, so amazing. And it is so worth checking out if you're even a little bit interested. I don't think you ever defined IBLP. I'm going to. It's the, it's like the general cult that they're like. Okay. Yeah. Um, It's the Institute on Basic Life Principles. Oh, okay. But like, I have a whole chunk on that. Just, if you hear that chunk of the podcast and think it's interesting, this is the podcast for you to check out. Someplace Underneath. And also I want to shout out a specific Reddit user. Her username is Nuggets of Chicken. I want to shout her out for her comprehensive legal coverage of the trial, um, which I really appreciated. I was in law school at the time and it wasn't always uh, feasible for me to like follow the day-to-day happenings. So I would read summaries from this particular Reddit user. Um, Just really appreciated that. Also highly recommend the Hulu series Shiny Happy People, which is about IBLP, the Duggars, and Christian fundamentalist influencers in general. It's definitely worth checking out. If you want more information about Josh's crimes, and you can also hear from some of the parties who were directly involved, Uh, witnesses, two of his sisters are in the documentary. Um, Definitely recommend checking that out. But this podcast, I hope, will serve as a pretty uh, relatively direct sort of summary of the criminal aspects of Josh Duggar's life. 
which are many. Like most stories, this one makes the most sense if I tell it from the beginning. So we're going to start at the top, as in way before Josh Duggar was even a glimmer in his mother's eye. To truly understand the rise and fall of Josh Duggar, you need to understand about the Institute of Basic Life Principles, or IBLP. IBLP describes itself on its website as not a religion or a church, which I think is accurate, but not for the reason they think it is. They see themselves as a greater movement, but they're just a cult. They're not confined to the four walls of a particular church or the specific religious beliefs of one subset of religion. So yeah, they're not a religion. They're not a church. But they're also not really a movement. They're a cult. Um, The IBLP is a non-denominational Christian fundamentalist organization, which means that they're not connected with specific churches, but may have members who are a part of tons of different churches. Uh, They're also like anti-Catholic. So this is more like Baptist Christians, not Catholics. There is Catholic fundamentalism, but that's like a completely different animal. IBLP was founded in 1961 by a disgusting turd of a man named Bill Gothard. His name makes my skin crawl because he directly enabled and even encouraged the abuse of hundreds, if not thousands, of women and girls through his teachings. Disgusting. I don't want to talk about Bill Gothard. So, I won't. He is a piece of shit. And he's not the piece of shit that this episode is about. So if you want to hear about Bill Gothard, someplace underneath, hit it. So worth it. Just know that what you need to know about Bill Gothard is that he is the mind behind and the mouthpiece of IBLP. So he's like the Charles Manson of the cult. Also, I'm going to read this next section of my notes exactly how I have it written. Holy shit, I just got a tornado watch while writing this. What the fuck? I am being very brave and writing this from the basement. (laughs) Um, Because I said I wrote this all from vacation, but I actually wrote the first like third of it during a tornado watch while I was sitting in the basement with my cats. We never have tornadoes in Massachusetts and it was really weird and scary. Yeah, it's like not a thing that happens. It like went through my town. I was like low key freaking out. So anyway, that was like, I was mid-thought about um, Bill Gothard, and all of a sudden my phone just goes like off the hook. I'm like, holy shit, a tornado? So yeah, anyway, that was like the real-time reaction I had. But anyway, I was being very brave and I kept writing. So um, Bill Gothard sucks. Let's talk about some of his doctrine, because that's really important in understanding um, the environment that Josh grew up in. Starting right from birth, children are taught to essentially be seen but not heard. Uh, Gothard and the IBLP have endorsed the teachings of Michael and Debbie Pearl, as seen in their book, How to Train Up a Child, which um, even some, I know one of the co-hosts of Someplace Underneath was raised pretty religious, but like not quite fundamentalist. And her grandfather gave her mom a copy of this book when she was, like, a difficult kid. So this is, this has extended throughout fundamentalist circles and even beyond them. The Pearls advocate for what is called blanket training. So they place a baby, sometimes 
just months old on a blanket. And then they place a toy just off of the blanket out of their reach. And if the baby moves off the blanket to grab the toy, they get beaten. Dude, what the actual fuck? Yeah. That's like, that's a good thing, developmentally speaking, for a child to see something and reach for it and grab it. Like, that's their way of communicating that that's something that they want. And you're literally taking their words away from them and actually, like, beating their words out of them. That's disgusting. I feel like I need to apologize in advance because this is only going to get worse from here. Um, So it's unclear which, if any, of the Duggar children employ this practice with their own kids, but um, it's pretty known that Michelle and Jim Bob did use it with their own kids. The the point being that if your parents say, don't move, you should not move or you will face the consequences. And that's horrible. I mean, these are babies as young as three months old. I'm sorry, like, a child is not going to be able to understand that. Like, developmentally speaking, they cannot understand that. There's no lesson to be learned just beating a child at that age. You're just traumatizing them. Beating a child at any age, but... Yes, yeah, obviously. Especially, like, the fact that you're trying to make them understand something that they, like, just developmentally cannot understand is... Blows my mind. Yeah, it's it's irresponsible and it's abusive. It's crazy to think about that something like this would still be instilled like but still be like a practice Mm -hmm. like isn't this like 2023 like what the fuck is this medieval times like i don't understand sometimes i wonder like the fuck and i hate to say it but it doesn't get any better as i said before someplace underneath if you want a more in-depth look at iblp they have hours and hours of content devoted to explaining this cult it's very informative detailed in a way that i could never be they have like actual testimony from former members and everything. So support them if you want more detail on this, because like I said, I, I couldn't even dream of making a seven part podcast on this uh, in the way that they did. I don't so even think the, I could listen to that. I think it, I would get so upset. I would rage shut it off. No offense to them, but just no. the idea and listening to this makes me upset. I had to listen to it in like 20 minute chunks because it made me so angry. So, yeah. Basically, the IBLP subscribes to um, the umbrella theory. So, like, you have kids at the bottom, and they're under the umbrella of their mother. And then she's under the umbrella of her husband, and he's under God's umbrella. So they're all under God's umbrella. And the woman and children are under the husband's umbrella. The children are under the mom's umbrella. So it's, like, tiers of, like, responsibility. So... Part of that is that if you step out of line, everyone else loses the protection. So, like, if your husband is not godly and, like, using God's protection and guidance, if he steps out of God's will, his whole family will suffer the consequences for it. If a kid steps out, they no longer have the protection of their parents and God. So it's basically just used to scare them into submission. Yeah, me and Christine don't even have words right now. Like, I'm not going to speak for her, but I I just don't. So it's a father's duty to transmit God's will unto his wife and children. And down the line, it's like ranking system. You got men before women, women before children, and God above all else. And Bill Gothard places himself above the husband in this sort of like layout for what it's I worth. thought you were going to say above God and I was like are you serious right now 
No, but he definitely thinks he's like a little bit better than most men. Okay. So kind of like maybe like a prophet or something. I wouldn't go that far. I don't think he would call himself a prophet, but he definitely seems to think he has life figured out in a way that other men haven't and that like he knows better than all of them. But it's so interesting because he was never married. He, you know, like he just, he talks about being a good husband and a good father, but that's not stuff he's ever experienced. What do they go by? Like, do they go by any, like, do they go by the Bible? Like, what, do they go by rules that he makes? Both. So a lot of, like, Christian fundamentalists will cite different Bible passages to rationalize their behavior, but a lot of the specific rules that IBLP follows come directly from Bill Gothard himself. So he does kind of see himself as God. I think he views it as supplementing God, but (sighs) I think with a little critical analysis, you could uh, easily say that he views himself as godlike. Yeah. Yikes. They also have a lot of strict rules that apply just to women. I feel like none of this is going to be necessarily surprising, um, but young girls are taught that their bodies need to be covered. No collarbones, no knees. Um, Michelle Duggar, the, the mother of the family, once had her bare knees blurred for television because like her knees were visible. She was, oh, what's the thing when you're on the back of a boat on skis? Water skiing? Yes. She was literally water skiing for an episode of the show and her skirt rode up a little bit and she made the network blur her knees. I just don't understand the reasoning. Like, knees are so weird looking. Like, how does anyone think that that's going to do anything? I don't understand. Collarbones? Yeah, maybe. Knees are ugly. No, I don't get it. So these women are encouraged to wear long skirts. And they often sew on additional modesty panels to, like, their shirts to cover any bit of skin that might be visible. Sometimes the Duggar girls have been seen adding, like, an extra strip of fabric to make their skirt hems lower. And they they never, like, match. So it's always very obvious what they're doing. Would this also be, like, taping the shirt, like, adding the little fabric? Yeah, so they will sew an entire panel of fabric if they, like, buy a v-neck top that they like. Mm -hmm. They'll either always wear it with a t-shirt underneath it that goes all the way up to their neck, or they'll sew a piece of fabric into it Okay. so that they're always covered. Um, Especially, like, a lot of, like, the Christian fundamentalist influencers complain about, like, how hard it is to find modest clothing. So there is a lot of DIY um, alternatives that happen here. When I was in college, I was part of a deli, a deli dancing, guys, a yeah, belly dancing, dancing group. That. Yeah. And um, as you know, very, like, it's just very minimal clothing that you wear, um, not designed for bigger breasted women. So mine did not fit me at all. So mm-hmm. I had to, like, literally sew, like, a panel across so that everything would stay in and I wasn't giving anybody any extra during the show. But I feel like that's a very valid use of a modesty panel. Well, I just didn't want to flash anybody. Yeah, that makes sense. This is like, oh, no, you can see my collarbone. You're going to pop a boner because of this. Like, I have so many opinions. Um, I also want to say that, like, generally speaking, so, like, IBLP, most of them follow these rules, but they're also, it's all patriarchal. 
So as I explained, like, the dad really does make the rules, and then, like, above the dad sometimes is Bill Gothard. So, like, he may set kind of, like, baseline, like, hey, here are the rules that you should follow in your family if you want them to obey you. But it does come down ultimately to the fathers to decide, like, how much they enforce these rules. So in the case of the Duggars, Jim Bob is the one who decided that his daughters couldn't wear pants. That seems to be his rule. Because as his older daughters have gotten married and moved out, their authority has changed. Their, uh, the term used is headship, is no longer their father, but is now their husband. Uh, and then they would get to make those rules. And it seems like all the married women actually do wear pants now. Um, so it seems as if like this newer generation is more open to letting the women dress a little less conservatively. But that being said, still relatively conservative. And all of the unmarried daughters that still live at home are stuck in skirt purgatory. They are not allowed to wear pants. There was a thing a couple weeks ago. The oldest daughter still lives at home. She's unmarried. And she um, wore, like, men's athletic shorts and ran a 5K. And that was, like, a thing because she wore shorts. So just one of those um, strict standards. Very patriarchal. It's the dad who decides. And all the daughters on the show are always like, we get to choose. We choose to be modest in this way. And it's like, no, you don't. Like, be real with yourself. So these women are taught that it's their responsibility to not lead men astray, to not draw their eye, to not flirt, not cause them to stumble is the terminology they use. So it's on the women to make sure that the men aren't gross toward them. Which I can't important for later i i hate that because i feel like not that we had it this bad or anything but like i felt like that growing up in school like we couldn't wear tank tops and stuff because boys would get distracted by our shoulders Mm -hmm. like it's been applied to society as a whole but obviously they take it to a whole new level this is a very extreme version of that in my opinion yeah so here's some other stuff that these people can't do They can't watch regular non-religious TV and movies. They are not allowed to dance because you cannot shake that ass in a God-honoring way, apparently. And they're not allowed to attend regular school. (laughs) We thought that was so funny. (laughs) They're not allowed to shake ass in a God-honoring way. Yeah. You can't shake ass in a godly way. Sorry. There's no godly way to shake ass, which is really disappointing because I personally would like to drop it down for... Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Anyway. Um, so these families, they uh, generally homeschool their children. I don't have any problem with homeschooling in general. I do think it's best when done under a guided state-approved curriculum and not based around a series of so-called wisdom booklets that were written by Bill Gothard himself. That sounds fake and made up. It's real. Here's my wisdom booklet. Yeah, no, so literally on 19 Kids and Counting, they show the kids all sitting around like the dining room table with these little booklets learning about whatever it is they're learning about. But the fact is that these wisdom booklets, the the curriculum is called Advanced Training Institute or ATI. It's the same. Like they're not grade specific. They're not same kid who would be at a second grade level is going to be reading the same one as the kid who's at a ninth grade level. And they're all religious focused. So like, the example they give in some place underneath, um, and they actually did, they were able to buy these online, is um, 
how the kidneys function. And then it's like, you know, kidneys filter out, whatever. And it's like, how do your kidneys function like a good father? And it's like that extra step. You have the core scientific-ish explanation of what kidneys do. But then you also have to contextualize it through like patriarchy. It's indoctrination. Yeah. there. I mean, there's always going to be some level of bias with anything. But it gets to a worrisome level in cases like this where it's just clear that they're getting no other perspective. Like, this is the only perspective they're getting. There is no room for, for like, discussion or thoughts about anything else. Like, they'd probably be punished for that. And yeah. that's just what makes it a cult, mm-hmm. frankly. Yeah, and, and there's also the layers to it in the sense that when you've been homeschooled under this doctrine and you homeschool your kids under that doctrine, it just even dilutes further, like – any real knowledge Mm -hmm. through these layers of this cult. It's just insane. So what what they're doing to these children is just making them unable to function in the real world. They're keeping them in their own bubble. They are taught only what they need to know within their bubble, and they're completely isolated from reality. And I'm going to move on to the Duggar family in particular. I can absolutely rip through the names right now, and I will. So I um, did. I wrote them down in my script to make sure I got them right. But when I wrote the script, I did them from memory and then just triple checked. Um, so the parents are Jim, Bob, and Michelle. Their kids are in order: Josh, John, David, Jana, Jill, Jessa, Ginger, Joseph, Josiah, Joanna, Jedediah, Jeremiah, Jason, James, Justin, Jackson, Johanna. Jennifer, Jordan, Grace, and Josie. I'm taking a bow. Michelle had at least two miscarriages as well. Uh, They were, she did name them. Um, Caleb would have been their second child after Josh. And uh, Jubilee, who would have been their 20th child. Do you think that they stuck with the J names because they were going to name Caleb and the baby didn't make it? I don't know that in particular. Um, I do know that they attribute the loss of Caleb to their use of birth control. Okay. Like what? Like birth control? As in what? Unclear. Condoms? They literally just say birth control. It's all the same to them. There's like chemical. Prophylactic birth control. It's all the same. And using it interferes with God's plan. So they were on birth control after Josh. And before Josh, they were married for four years before they had a kid. And then they had Josh. And then they were on birth control again to not have a kid again right away. And they had a miscarriage. And that is what shook their faith and brought them to the IBLP, which told them it's because you tried to interfere with God's will. What about the last kid? She was like 40, and the doctors told her it was not safe for her to try to carry another pregnancy, and she did anyway. So most of the kids in the family over 22-ish years old are married, um, because in this cult, you have to get married to be able to bone, and you have to, like, be engaged to even, like, hold hands. So these people are literally running down the aisle with sexual tension, so... 
Um, all of the older children, more or less, are married to other children of uh, other prominent IBLP families. Or uh, in one case, it's like a family from outside of IBLP that's like from another fundamentalist Christian like circle, but they were literally on MTV's world's strictest parents. So like, yeah, they're not in the cult, but here's documentable evidence of their parenting skills being similar. So none of the children seem to be like breaking out per se. Um, that's a whole separate episode about if any of them are out of the cult. I know one of the kids did release a book where she talked about leaving the IBLP. She married Jeremy, who is currently in seminary school, um, with a different well-known church, the MacArthur Church, which is also known for their very strict conservative beliefs, um, but are not IBLP. And then she wrote a whole book about breaking free of IBLP and Bill Gothard. But it seems like a lateral jump to me. She went from one cult to another. MacArthur Church has a terrible reputation for a lot of the same things that IBLP has a bad reputation for. Mm. So I, I don't necessarily consider that breaking out. I think it's breaking away. Um, but like I said, lateral, lateral jump. Lateral jump. So um, we're already like well into this episode and I feel like I haven't even touched on Josh Duggar. So I'm <laughs> going to try and like get going on this. This could be a little, little bit of a long one. I'm going to focus on the crime related stuff from here on out. So now that we have all the background, crime. Let's talk crimes. Joshua James Duggar was born in 1988. That's the first crime of the episode. He was born. He's the first child of Michelle and Jim Bob Duggar. Josh was born before the Duggars joined IBLP and their move in that direction may have been motivated by the loss of Caleb. As I mentioned earlier, um, they attributed that to their use of birth control after that, they had 18 more kids. They believe that the number of kids they have is up to God and should not be interfered with. This is known as quiverful ideology, that every child you have is an arrow in the quiver of God's army. Rachel is so perplexed right now. I just think that's a weird comparison. <laughs> that's, well, that's all. That's what they think. So, yeah. By the time Josh was about four years old, his parents were uh, pretty firmly enmeshed in the IBLP, which was great for Josh. He was the oldest son. He had it made. He could get an education of some kind. They would invest in his future. He could also like get away with a lot. Like He could basically do whatever the heck he wanted, unlike his sisters, who were responsible for their younger siblings, and they had like assigned chore jurisdictions. So Josh was like kind of given free reign of the house like he had computer access and they made a whole thing on the show about the computer is only in the family room and it can only be accessed if someone else is in the room but josh was also like learning computer programming and stuff like that like he liked technology he wanted to be a lawyer at one point like he had the most potential for a future among all the kids and that was just because his parents favored him but his younger siblings were assigned like buddies in their buddy system so as soon as you were old enough to not need a buddy, you were assigned a buddy. So there's footage from the show that's really disturbing to me of a six-year-old child helping a toddler sibling, like, do their hair and brush their teeth in the morning. And she's only six years old. And at that point, she's not being cared for anymore. She's caring for her younger siblings. So it it is very messed up. I agree. So sometime around 2004, Josh was around 15 or so years old 
he was involved with a family friends political campaign. Um, if anyone watches Shiny Happy People, that's Jim Holt. Um, if you choose to look more into this. Josh was apparently caught watching pornography on a campaign computer. When Jim Holt lost that Senate race, they attributed it to, quote-unquote, sin in the camp. So Josh watched porn, and they lost the campaign because of it. That was what the uh, rhetoric was. And Josh was actually dragged in front of the church and made to atone in front of everyone. For that. For that! And I feel like that's an important distinction, because there's plenty of other stuff that he did later that he did not get called in front of the church to atone for. As I said, Josh was a computer nerd. His parents really nurtured that passion. He always had up-to-date technology. He seemed very skilled with it. You're going to want to remember that for later. So a little bit before or around the same time as the Sin in the Camp incident, the family was featured on the first of um, many like short documentaries about their lives, which eventually became the TV show 19 Kids and Counting. Um, Josh appears in some of these early specials with a shaved head at times. Sometimes he has like a regular head of hair and sometimes his head is shaved. That is a sign that he'd been sent to alert, which is a training camp for young IBLP boys that is akin to military training. The Duggars have um, been known to send their children there to atone for previous bad behavior. The show did not explain why Josh was gone at any point and they didn't explain why he came back with his head shaved and for good reason the Duggars were very intentionally covering up all of Josh's indiscretions at this time as not to hurt their revenue stream and I know up until now it probably seems like Josh was sent to alert just for consuming pornography but that's not it around this time he had according to a police report that became public in 2015 he had molested four of his sisters and a babysitter. I will not speculate on the identities of the victims. It's not hard to figure out. Their ages at the time are included in the police report. And if you know when the police report was filed, it's not hard to figure out which kid is which age. I will not speculate on the identity of any of the victims. I don't think that's right. And I want to protect their peace in any way that I can. And the identity of the babysitter is also not known. So what we need to know from this is that Josh was molesting his younger sisters. His parents knew about it. And they covered it up so they could get a TV show. So they welcomed cameras into their home, knowing that one of their children was abusing his siblings. And still were like, yeah, bring on the cameras. That's insane. Literally just take the health and well-being of all of your other children and throw it under the bus for a little bit of cash. It's horrible. As far as the public knows, none of the victims ever received counseling outside of, like, religious counseling, which I'm sure is beneficial in some situations, but these victims deserved accurate therapy. <laughs> Basically, they were all told that they caused Josh to stray. Um, these were children. The youngest victim was six years old, and she was told that she caused this. What the fucking fuck? She was blamed for her own molestation. How does a six-year-old even 
What? Exactly. It's bullshit. It's reprehensible to even think about blaming a child for an assault that they experience at any age, but especially at that age. And then you look at it from the other point of view and realize that Josh was not blamed for anything. And so no, he, was, he was sent away, but he was not necessarily sent away to like protect his siblings from him or anything. He was sent away for appearances mostly. Yeah, like he still sinned, but the whole message was that it was his sister's fault that he sinned. Exactly. Uh, Josh was sent to alert, and he was also mentored by an older man from their church. That's like a pretty common thing. Um, This man was a sheriff, so instead of like going directly to the police and telling the police, they went to this guy who was a friend of Jim Bob's, who was a sheriff, and he like sat down and talked to Josh and was like, hey, don't do that. Um... But also for, like, important context, this guy was also convicted of possession of child sexual abuse material. So, um, he's the exact kind of person you want mentoring your child. That is yikes. So he's, like, this authority figure, and he's like, Josh, don't do that. Wink, wink, wink. Like, Hmm. like, there's no lesson to be learned here. Just don't get caught. Basically. That's the lesson. Basically. So um, the Duggars did a really excellent job of covering this up for a long time, actually. There was one incident with Oprah, which is actually how the police report came to be created in the first place. It's a little complicated. Bear with me. Basically, the family was supposed to be on Oprah. I think this was after their first TV special, but before they had a full series. Oprah received an anonymous tip that Josh had been molesting his sisters. The woman who called in the tip has not been conclusively identified. Reddit has a lot of speculation about who it could be. She claimed that she borrowed a book from another family, possibly from the Duggars themselves, and that inside of that book was a note detailing the molestations. So it might have been the daughters had written a letter in hopes that someday it would be found. It did get found. The woman who found it reported it to Oprah, which I thought was, you know, interesting. Basically just called in a tip and said, you can't have this family on. They have secrets. And Oprah was the one who alerted um, the cops. Hell yeah. Go Oprah. Right? Oprah. Unsung hero. So she was the one who called the cops and was like, you need to look into this. And then that was why a police report was filed was because of the tip from Oprah. But despite canceling their appearance and refusing to ever have them on the show, That was kind of all that happened as a result of that. And the information did not make it into the public um, about the molestations until 2015. During the run of the TV show, Josh married Anna, who was a young 20-year-old woman uh, whose parents basically gave her away to the highest bidder. Josh was the eldest son of a prominent IBLP family with their own TV show. So he was considered a catch. So they were like, heck yeah, you can have her daughter. They currently have seven children. I'm not going to name their kids because they're innocent parties and all of this. They don't have to be lumped in. Uh, In 2014, shortly after Josh and Anna welcomed their third child, Josh accepted a job as a lobbyist with the ultra-conservative Family Research Council. They moved to Washington, D.C. And while in Washington, D.C., Josh schmoozed with all of the big-name right-wing politicians. He made waves. He really was setting himself up for a future in politics, um, very similar to what his father previously had. 
um, grooming himself into that role, which I feel like was his parents' intentions all along. Was if if Jim Bob couldn't successfully be a politician, they could at least make one of their kids one. All of that came crashing down in the summer of 2015 when a number of scandals happened in quick succession concerning Josh. First, the police report detailing the molestation of his sisters became public after it was obtained by Us Weekly magazine. At this point, the show 19 Kids and Counting was canceled by TLC. But the scandals did not stop. Next up was the high-profile Ashley Madison leak. An email linked to Josh was found to have had an account on a website that is literally dedicated to cheating on one's spouse, which is what I call family values. Uh, Also around this time, an adult film actress came forward and claimed that while ostensibly consensual, her sexual encounters with Josh had been very aggressive and made her supremely uncomfortable. She said they were borderline abusive. So we've got bam, bam, bam with the scandals. The show is over at this point. There is no show. But TLC wasn't ready to give up on their cash cow. And they rebooted the show, focusing on two of the older daughters. It was called Jill and Jessa Counting On, later just Counting On, as uh, some other children grew up and were included in some of the storylines. At that point, Jill had just had her first child, and Jessa had recently gotten engaged. So they figured this is a nice fresh start to focus on these stories instead of anything to do with Josh. They also had a whole interview with Megan Kelly where they forgave Josh. And the first few episodes of the spinoff show talked about how they didn't blame him for what he did and how he was just a kid. And it's really hard to watch. I have seen it and I had to turn it off because it made me angry. And at the time, everyone thought, well, if they're forgiving him, you know, maybe we all need to move on. It's so clear now that they did not choose what they got to say. They were told what to say and how to say it to give the best possible image. Even if they did forgive him, why did no one, like, people shouldn't have thought, oh, we should all forgive him because they forgave him. Of course, they might do that because that's literally what their indoctrinated to believe. Yep. So after that rush of scandals and the reboot of the show, it continued on its usual cycle of marriage, baby, courtship, baby, marriage, baby, baby, baby. They had a lot of babies Um, for about three years. And it was just so boring. Like, I'm going to be honest. It was like, oh, no, I'm going to throw a party for all the men in the family and we're going to have steak. And it was like a whole episode about how they all like at a men's party with steak. It was like the stupidest thing. At this point, Josh is not a part of the show at all, um, but there's no indication that he's not involved with the family and pictures from personal social media accounts of his siblings um, show that he was still right along. He was invited to everything. He, there was no separation whatsoever with Josh. He was still very much a part of this. His wife had four more kids with him. So he got a slap on the wrist and lost his job. And then he went right back to exactly the way things were when he originally had left Arkansas, which was that he operated a used car lot. So um, everything was pretty much status quo until I think it was 2018. I have in my notes, it was either 2018 or 2019. Uh, Rumors started circulating on Duggar Snark on Reddit that there had been a Homeland Security raid on the used car lot that was owned and operated by Josh. It's called Champion Motor Cars. 
there was tons of speculation at the time. People, including myself, assumed he just did some shady financial shit. And at that time, we were like, hey, wouldn't it be kind of cool if he got locked up for, like, fraud and we never had to hear from him again? And I remember thinking that and thinking, like, man, that would be so cool if we never had to deal with Josh again because this guy's a shit stain and I'd love to not have to, like, ever hear from him. So these rumors died down and then it was not until 2021 that Josh was formally arrested and charged with possession of child sexual abuse materials. Um, The previous terminology for that is child porn, but there has been a push recently to not call it that and to instead refer to it as child sexual abuse materials, which is a better reflection of what it actually is due to the fact that children cannot consent. And uh, the terminology of porn implies theoretically consensual. The FBI had traced an IP address to Josh's car lot, where they found a laptop computer that had been partitioned, meaning that half of it was a regular laptop, but Josh was able to access a secret second side of it that contained a dark web browser. Remember how I said earlier that Josh was super tech-savvy? There was software on the main portion of the computer that tracked all of his internet activity and would send an email to, uh, I think, his wife or a trusted, like, older man in the church with, like, any inappropriate activity he did on the computer. But he was able to partition the computer so that that only covered the known side of it. He had a whole secret side of his computer that no one knew about. Um, It was completely able to evade the measures that they put in place to kind of keep an eye on him. And it was from the dark web that he accessed and downloaded child sexual abuse materials. The court documents in the case have a lot more detail than I will share here. I don't think it's necessary to go into any, any amount of detail. The investigating agent testified that the files found on Josh's computer were among the top five worst he had ever seen. And this is a guy who investigates this for a living. I've heard of what they were and rest assured they are like the worst you can possibly imagine like it's bad it's worse than that like it literally think of the worst possible thing you can think of and then make it 10 times worse so i also want to just warn our listeners if you're like want to hear more about this trial more about this case please be warned that some publications quite a few of them have been really open about the content and describing it. Be really careful if you choose to research more into this case. I came across a really vivid description of one of the videos in like a mainstream gossip magazine and was horrified. I would obviously never seek out information or details and I came across it accidentally. Um, So just be warned that some of these publications, they kind of are just like, oh, here's a very vivid description of exactly what happened in this video. Just be warned that That's extremely inappropriate. And I feel like that is really disrespectful to the victims. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. I don't don't think I've seen things in that much detail, but just a one-line description. But it's pretty common in pretty much any article about this particular incident like you might come across a pretty general description but even that general description is still pretty horrible i don't want to say it's not graphic because it is 
but it is, it's just like a one to two sentence, like blurb. That's enough. You don't need to know. Don't look it up. Don't figure out what it's about. You don't need to know. I found it by accident and it was triggering beyond belief. So don't look it up. I'm serious. I cannot emphasize that enough. So when Josh was arrested, the TV show spinoff Counting On was officially canceled and our cable televisions were free of the Duggars, except they were on the news every night uh, as the trial unfolded. So how free of them were we really? There was also this feeling on the Duggar Snark subreddit where previously we'd been like, man, wouldn't it be so cool if Josh got put away for fraud and we never had to deal with him again? And when these charges came out, I saw so many posts that were just, it wasn't supposed to be this. It was supposed to be something like fraud, where he could go to prison and face consequences. It wasn't supposed to be this. This is horrifying. You know, like, disbelief that he could stoop that low and be that horrible of a person. And this is someone who, at that point, we knew was pretty terrible. We had multiple documented incidents of this guy being an absolute jerkwad and terrible and borderline criminal and abusive and whatever. And he still managed to completely shock everyone with how horrible he could be. Josh was found guilty of multiple charges of possession of child sexual abuse material in December of 2021. And he was sentenced to 12 years in prison in May of 2022. His wife has a solid 10 years left before she'll ever be forced to copulate with him again. So thank God for the little miracles. He's not around any children while he's in prison. He's not allowed to see his own kids, apparently. He's not allowed to see his siblings' kids. He's not allowed to see his underage siblings. I think we can all agree that we need to keep Josh Duggar away from children forever. And ever. And ever, and ever. Yeah. Well, and also, he'll be on a sex offender registry when he is released from prison. And I I don't think it applies to your own children if you have custody. But he wouldn't be able to be around, like, his nieces and nephews or anything, which... True. So he wouldn't be able to, like, live on the compound. Yeah, that's the current speculation, is that when he gets out of prison, he wouldn't be able to live on the family compound because he would be too close to um, other people's children, which... Oh, oh no, sucks to suck. Should have thought of that before you were horrible and disgusting. So I touched on a lot in this episode. Touched on IBLP in general. I touched on Josh Duggar's specific crimes, you know, as they just got progressively worse. But to wrap up, I want to talk about how the IBLP environment really cultivated a space that enabled Josh's crimes. Uh, Josh was raised to believe that he couldn't do anything wrong. He molested his sisters, and his sisters were told that it was their fault. So obviously Josh was not responsible for this. And his parents covered for him. There were no consequences for him. They ended up with a TV show after this happened. So he committed this grievous sin. And he still got a TV show out of it. And the family made tons of money. And, you know, like, there were no consequences. And when someone does not experience consequences, they'll continue to push the envelope with their actions. Josh pushed the envelope beyond where it should have ever gone beyond what is even conscionable straight to prison sometimes people do things again even if they do have consequences so the fact that he didn't have any is just incomprehensible 
Yeah, there was absolutely nothing to keep him from escalating because he'd never been held accountable before. Why would he be held accountable now? IBLP and Bill Gothard tell young boys that they are basically untouchable. And they tell young girls that they are at fault for boys' indiscretions. When a culture like that is left to fester for decades and decades among generations of impressionable youths, you end up with Josh Duggar. May he rot in prison. That's an understatement. No, I know. I just, I'm I'm trying to think of something so awful and I can't come up with anything because I just cannot come up with awful enough words to describe this. Not even a man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, he's. And also, I mean, people who abuse children are targeted in prison. He has to be under like very extreme surveillance because he's a target. And I'm like, you know what? Okay. You know what? You made your bed. You get to fucking sleep in it, dude. Yeah, I am okay with some consequences. I don't know. I have no sympathy for child abusers, Mm -hmm. child molesters. I don't care. And honestly, I appreciate people in prison who will take care of them. I'm sorry, but it's true. I don't disagree. Well, that's my episode. And Rachel, I just am so sorry that you thought this was not going to be like that. And then it was. Yeah, I just need something lighter. If you want to hear an episode on ghosts and or ghouls, hit us up at Small Town Mysteries Pod and we'll make Rachel do a spoopy episode. Yeah, I'm in need of a spoopy episode. And we're also getting pretty close to Halloween. So if you are like, hey, remember last year when you guys did that really cool multi-part series on the Bridgewater Triangle? And you're like, I wonder what they're doing this year. We haven't decided yet. So... Uh, if you have ideas at Small Town Mysteries Pod, we love listener suggestions and yes. we will definitely be doing something for Halloween this year. So if you have any ideas, um, we're currently brainstorming. So we'd love any input. We love getting DMs on Instagram, like legitimately makes us so happy. So at Small Town Mysteries Pod with any ideas that you have. Um, I appreciate you all tuning in for this episode. I know it was a little heavy. Um, all of our episodes are heavy, but this one in particular just feels dastardly. Um, So I appreciate you guys for making it to the end of the episode. Hopefully I didn't ruin all of your days. And thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Thank you for all the research, Kate. And thank you for doing it from vacation. Yeah. I know. I'm going to go. Super dedicated. Have a taco because it's Taco Tuesday. Sounds good. Ooh, yeah. I also want to throw out, um, we list all of our sources in the description of wherever you access your podcasts. My source list is a little vague. It's a couple Wikipedia articles and then like Reddit and like a specific reporter and stuff like that. I've been following this community since 2018 when the Homeland Security raid happened. I watched a lot of this happen in real time. So almost everything in this episode is from my own memory, supported with various Reddit posts that detail it better than I could personally remember it. So if you have any questions about anything I've said or the validity of anything I've said, please feel free to message me. I will absolutely um, explain where something came from or issue a redaction if I shared wrong information. Um, This is not like the usual research we usually do for videos. So 
if you have any factual inaccuracies, please let me know um, so I can correct those. All right. We will catch you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Come spiral with us next week. Hey, yo. Bye. Bye. Bye.